Hi, I'm Matt. Hi, I'm Annie AK. And I'm Melissa. And together we want to welcome you to Still Great Bob. If this is your first time joining us, together we are watching AMC's Mad Men, trying to answer the question, is it Still Great Bob? This week, we're discussing Season 2, Episode 5, The New Girl, written by Robin Veith, directed by Jennifer Getzinger. This episode originally aired on August 24th, 2008. At number one for the second week in a row in movies was Tropic Thunder. And opening that weekend coming in the second spot was The House Bunny. And opening in third spot was Death Race. The hit song that week is still Rihanna's Disturbia. On this episode of Mad Men, I don't even know where to start. There's a new secretary in the office and new bling on Joan's hand. Dawn is dumb, which is like every week. And Pete and Trudy are trying real hard. And Bobby advises Peggy to woman up. All right. So we've got a lot going on in this episode. It wasn't first in the summary, but first things first is obviously got to be Joan's big fat ring. She's been offered a lot, but this one's the best. Mm-hmm. Once we see her, she has like this weird wave, like as she's holding her folder, and Don's like, "Well, that answers that question." But it's like a weird wave, definitely designed to be like, "Look at this ice rink on my hand, guys." Oh yeah, Joan's definitely showing up. She's walking through doorways like ring finger first, just so like you know everyone gets blinded by the rock or <laughs> whatever, so everyone can see. It's great. I love it. Not that you're gonna miss that thing. Jeez. In fairness, though, she does work in an office with a bunch of clueless, like, men, so, like, maybe they would miss it. Although, Freddie does have that, that line about, that noise can only mean one thing. The Stork, De Beers, or both. So maybe they're a little yeah, less Yeah, but clueless. then he says, or somebody got a haircut. Right, that's true. So, they don't know. Listen, Harry, just because you wish that people would greet you like that for your small, exciting events doesn't mean you need to, like, harsh on the women. This is why you should get some girlfriends. Right. Um, but, I mean, Joan isn't in a lot of this episode, but I really loved the scenes that she was in. Because um, they were fun to watch, and also because I thought it was really interesting. Like, we see Joan kind of um, falling into some stereotypical, like, one of the girls things. Like, mm-hmm. and normally, I don't want to say that, like, normally Joan's above them because that makes it sound like I believe that that's something to be above, and I don't think that's true, but I definitely think that that's something that Joan normally sees herself as above. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's doing all these things. Like, she's she's spending time gossiping at work. She's neglecting her responsibilities, like, due to her personal matter of being engaged. Um, she's working Don's desk, which I kind of think, like, maybe possibly, like, triggers this, what I'm going to call a backslide, which even that sounds negative, and I don't mean it that way. But um, And she's getting married. She's getting married, yeah. which is something that I think that, well, I don't know. You guys have seen the show before, so you guys probably didn't think this, but I thought that Joan was never going to get married and that she was above it. I do think she believed, was starting to worry that she would never get married too. Because, mm-hmm. like, even Roger makes a comment about, you know, um, her fiance, and we know from a past episode that she's about the same age. They're in their, like, early 30s which is I guess way too old and he refers to them as like almost youthful love or something like that 
But, I mean, she does genuinely actually seem happy. She does. It's really nice. It is. And, I mean, maybe it is the patriarchy and her, like, having been conditioned to believe that this is exactly what a woman should be looking forward to and all they're good for and the only thing she's been working towards her entire life. But, like... You know, when Roger asks her what's asks her what's wrong with him, and she n- says nothing and smiles, you're like, I believe her. Mm-hmm. Especially because she also tells Roger that she's planning on continuing to work. Like she's not seeing herself in the future, like moving outside of the city and being a housewife. Like she definitely thinks that Sterling Cooper is something that's not going to change for her because she does have, I think that strong grasp on or at least at this point you know she believes she has like a strong grasp on what her priorities are and they aren't Mm -hmm. um like tending some doctor's house as maternal she is with the new girls whenever they come in i don't know that i've ever really seen her as like a mother she lets sally get drunk (laughs) Just day drinking um, in her like negligee and fluffy robe, maybe. <laughs> um, she goes to talk to Roger and she says the actual sentence, Are you being a concerned daddy? Which I had to pause the episode because I was <laughs> laughing my ass off. <laughs> I specifically thought of you, Melissa, when I that line came I feel like that was like written just for me and that can't possibly be true because I'm watching the show so late. <laughs> but they definitely had their finger on what people were taking from this show. <laughs> but she also says to Roger that she believed that he was unhappy with Mona specifically, not that he was like anti-marriage as an institution, which is kind of... It was kind of surprising to me to hear her say that because it really seemed like she wasn't interested in marriage and it definitely seemed like she wasn't interested in marriage to Roger. So I'm kind of wondering like what you guys took from that. I don't know. I don't know if it it was something she's just telling herself to make it easier for her to have an affair with a married man. What do you think, Matt? That was definitely a thought I had, but then I I started thinking more, and I don't know if I've, like, landed on a a certain read yet, but part of me is like, did Joan not know what she wanted? Was she daydreaming about a future with Roger? Like, their relationship was obviously, you know, an affair and had very certain conditions, and in the back last season, Roger was lamenting all of Joan's rules, but was there a part of her that hoped that it could be a real relationship? Um, but as I say this and think it, it also doesn't feel true, doesn't ring true to me. But then is that just mm-hmm. because Joan's so so guarded about how she is perceived and her image and how much of like... Because we've only... Remind me again. We've only seen her outside of work that one episode with... Um, Carol, her her roommate, when Carol gets fired last mm-hmm. season, right? So yeah, I don't I don't quite mm-hmm. yet have a a window into her interior life, um, much as we do with some of the other characters. So I don't know. I'm also so I don't know where I land on that, but I am anticipating. I don't know if I'm excited, but that might be overselling it. But I'm I'm curious to meet 
her fiance and if he has a, a bigger role in this this season and the future and if if he is everything Jones making him out to be or if he is kind of a you know straight dude on Mad Men which we've definitely we've seen how are a certain type of guy right mm. so I'm I'm curious to see how that all all shakes out and, and reads for me this time on my my rewatch yeah, maybe they'll give her more time to to show us who she is as a person outside of some tight dresses and marriage. <laughs> her own or someone else's. Right. <laughs> uh yeah, well speaking of marriages, we get to spend some time with one and it's not a great time. Can't say I enjoyed it. Uh we get to go to the doctor with Pete and Trudy trying to have a baby um trudy really 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 wants to have a baby maybe she's kind of trapped in the same mindset as joan thinking that that's all her purpose is not that there's anything wrong with that being one of your number one goals in life it doesn't really feel that way to me with trudy especially because like when they're talking about like later in the episode how you know maybe this isn't gonna be for them she just says like i really want a baby Mm -hmm. and that's great you know just because it is um it's like meg and little women like just because your dreams are like this quote-unquote like stereotypical like woman's dreams doesn't make them any less important if you know mm-hmm. maybe some people want to or feel the need to interrogate why they want the things that they want but if what you really want is to be married and have a baby you should absolutely get to do that with someone who doesn't suck it's all she like everything does seem to be for this purpose of to to be a mom you know marrying the guy having the right place having you know a success uh, her husband be a success it's less like this is just another piece of it but everything is working towards it so and it just it was so heartbreaking when she's like what else is all this for mm-hmm. why else would i be putting up with your dumb ass she's such a good wife uh, but i would uh, burn down that perfect apartment <laughs> i know for sure like that in my notes I have written, like, I would never, ever want to have to navigate anything vulnerable with Pete Campbell as my sidekick. Like, absolutely not. I can think of nothing more miserable. (laughs) And she's someone that we've seen in the past who, like, when she wants something, she gets it, even if, like, she can sort of like manipulate has some negative connotations but she can manipulate her dad and sometimes she can get pete to to be what she wants to be Mm -hmm. and she certainly put him down before for being stupid but uh it's just uh, i just found her so heartbreaking throughout this whole episode at the office where she's like almost joking like you know it's it's you know what it's fine she probably didn't even need a diaphragm when she you know before when they were Mm. before they were married maybe it's all her anyways and you're like i see what you're doing girl you're trying to be strong but yeah and you definitely wouldn't have had to do that at that like super good doctor's office like this he is a surprisingly great. really good doctor he was great not just for the 60s but i feel like for now he is very 
uh, very thoughtful, considerate, non-judgmental, kind of progressive for an old white dude in the 1960. <laughs> I mean, he said some things that I think still need to be internalized for um, the sperm population, which is like, <laughs> you know, let's not worry about what's normal. Everyone is different. Like, getting pregnant is actually can be very very difficult and like everything mm -hmm. can still be normal and it can still take forever um and then he says like you know no one is questioning your manhood fertility has nothing to do with manliness which is something i still think is probably it's definitely still a thing a and problem. then you've got pete who certainly does not believe that he was so pleased when he found out that his sperm was so so viable and he's like such superman a dick about it well <laughs> agreed but it, it's it's interesting to me like because pete you know obviously he's in accounts and last season you know he was wanting to write wanting to be creative and the and the ways that like everything peter campbell says including and especially like the terrible things they are all for an audience of one and it's an, the audience of self right and so it's like when he really lays into oh god it's it's, it's not me i'm a red-blooded american man I, I you know i i'm able to have an erection i finish it's fine i ejaculate like it's it's all about his own insecurities and it's all mm -hmm. through trying to tell himself he's okay even though i think he doesn't feel okay which admittedly is super shitty and like he's a giant dick but mm. it's it's interesting in the ways that like he reveals so much about himself in trying so hard to not reveal anything about himself that he can't control. Mm -hmm. And then he has this like super, this like really nice doctor who's not a therapist or a psychiatrist, but who's so has a such like really therapeutic bedside manner that suddenly Pete is revealing all this internal stuff and he's just sitting there patiently I'm like, I half believed him to be like, and how does that make you feel? I, I know, no, I totally, in my in my notes, I was like thinking like, Pete needs a therapist. Because that's totally like what that <laughs> exchange like reminded me of. And again, I think everyone could benefit from therapy, but um, yeah, yeah, that just I really stood totally. out. He should have been Betty's therapist. My notes say, Pete saw one healthcare professional and went straight into therapy <laughs> mode. <laughs> this guy should have been everyone's therapist because there are... I, there's a lot of dad issues happening in this joint um and you know talking about pete's uh insecurities and everything and how you how you said matt you know everything seems to be for an audience of himself but it, like to me it's more just the audience is really his dad who is also now dead but you know it just had to be like yes of course i'm a man but of course i'm you know i can do all the things that a man's supposed to be and when he yells at Trudy, you know, either you make it through this thing or you keep it to yourself and is so mad and so insensitive to her and I hate him a lot. I'm just like, oh, it hit me. I'm like, one, this is probably how your dad treated you, first off. Two, I'm starting to understand why this isn't as important to you as it is to Trudy. Trudy had beautiful parents who are very supportive and sweet and positive and she, despite the fact she somehow ended up with Pete. But fatherhood doesn't mean anything to him it just means kind of like shittiness and unhappiness and he to the point where he can't even see how 
good it could be and why it's so important to Trudy. And I hate him. Uh, my last Pete note says, I'll kill him. <laughs> uh. <laughs> because, I mean, this whole episode is just husbands having no no forethought whatsoever to the things that they're saying and the things that they're doing. But then for Pete to be like, either you make it through this or you keep it to yourself. Like, I'll just kill you. And then it'll be a non-issue. Yeah, that's that's a healthy way to deal with it. Although Harry, <laughs> Harry, Harry has reined in his dumbness and is, is a bit more aware. So when they all introduce themselves to Jane, he's just like, hi, I'm Harry. I'm married. Uh, hi, I'm married. Yeah, he's he's back on his bullshit. But but again, like it, that's for himself. Like yeah. he can, you know. Like, then it, yeah, um, yeah. It's just it's a thing, unfortunately. It's um, a thing. I'm just here. Um, before we move on, though, with Pete, I did want to point out when he was like, they they cut from ugh, where was it? Oh, let me figure out where I put this. Uh, the cut from uh, Peggy's like baby drama to Pete Ugh. and his <laughs> sample collecting, and from there they went directly to Roger with a paddleboard. It's too fucking much. I was like, it's, it's so dumb, and I am laughing so hard. This is the best episode of Mad Men. It was so, so well done. So far, yeah. So far, I think it, that it is, is that paddleboard is so dumb <laughs> and so funny. I couldn't even write it down. I didn't even know what words to put in my notes. It was amazing, <laughs> amazing. And you want to know my favorite part about that whole thing? I was on the uh, the Mad Men wiki earlier today, and that Pete bathroom scene wasn't in the script. The writer and the director came up with it on the day and shot it, and then it cuts to mm. the with the paddleboard. So like. <laughs> Genius. genius right genius it's great um, why did they just let's do all, all take a moment to just praise the fact that two women created this episode written and directed by women that joke thank you and it's so good it's so <laughs> interesting both uh, it's so good both with the male characters and the female characters and the integration too love it oh i want to say one more pete thing is whenever the guy's like, oh, get with the nurse about coming in for your sample. And he says, whenever she's free. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think I read that one too because I'm like, ew. Dude. He's so awkward, but he's like, I have to do it. I have a brand to maintain. <laughs> well, and that's the second time too because he makes the like pornography joke earlier on when the, oh, when the yeah, doctor's yeah. like, are you all like, familiar you know you you have some level of like such sex education and they're like oh, of course we do blah 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 and then pete's like but you could show us some movies right so. oh my god trudy's like why god. are we having a kid kill me yeah. do you guys ever see that movie? yeah because the doctor's like yeah he goes immediately back to like i'm not really joking but because like you know it'd be you'd be amazed at what people don't know should we move on to dawn are we done with pete from one bad dad to another Womp, womp, womp. At least one Oof. of them knows he's a dad. Okay. Or father to child, I should say. Not, <laughs> not, not that he's a dad, necessarily. Um, so, if I may, before we dive into the, the Don and then specifically Don and, like, Bobby and then, and then Betty discussion, I'd like to ask you both a question. Uh-huh. One of the inciting incidents for 
this episode for the things we haven't talked about yet that we're about to dive into is Bobby calling Don to, as she's celebrating that she sold the TV show that she was picking Don's brain about earlier in the season. Why did she do that? So that I could listen to her voice through the telephone. Mm. And it sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, what do you think? Why did Bobby choose to call Don in that, that moment of victory and euphoria? My working theory is that uh, Bobby is done. I mean, it's not really working theory. I think we talked about it before, but she can't connect to her husband the same way. I think she senses the kindred spirit in Don. That's interesting. So in the ways that like she obviously feels like she has to manage, I mean it is her job to to manage Jimmy. Mm-hmm. But like the way she has to like manage and, and in or many babysit. Ways, Go ahead. I was going to say and in many ways a lot of women quote quote manage their their husbands and rein him in while they get to be like the freewheeling spirit chasing his dreams for sure in a heteronormative sort of paradigm i i I hear you but i'm wondering then too in the ways that like bobby feels like she is the one responsible for managing jimmy's success and like you know providing for him and ensuring his success do we think that don feels that way about betty about you know, having a disproportionate amount of, and this is from his own perception to, to be clear, right? It's, I don't think it's necessarily totally the reality, but where like Don feels like if he's providing for and helping, you know, his family and being bad, being a bad boy, and then going home and being good or however Bobby phrased it earlier in the season. Do you think that there are some similarities with how they perceive their own relationships that way between Bobby and Don? Do you think that that tracks or no? Hmm. I keep getting confused because Don has a kid named Bobby. Yeah, sorry. Talking about Bobby Bear, <laughs> not Bobby Draper. Bobby IE. Girl Bobby. Mm. Wait, I just realized that Girl Bobby has a man's name. <laughs> Interesting. Good one, Madman. <laughs> uh, probably actually helps her get in the door when she comes into like being like, oh, you're going to meet with Jimmy Barrett's manager bobby yeah i mean like don is her new plaything, so she's feeling high selling off selling her tv she wants entertained she's like who's my current plaything? Mm-hmm. it just so happens that don draper's never been somebody else's plaything before he's usually the cat mm. well because like i mean maybe not this i don't think she necessarily sees him as an equal i think just more kindred spirit Because I don't think that, like, Don necessarily saw, like, Midge as his equal, but he'd still, whenever he needed to share something, and as we have seen repeatedly, he's not good at sharing with with Betty, he goes to his side piece. (laughs) This is exactly what Bobby's doing. Mm. (laughs) So I don't like what Bobby's doing. Same way I don't like what Don does, but at the same time, I appreciate how tables have turned, and she's the one, like, putting the bait out, and he's the one who's just like, all right, she just hung up on me. Well, and I really like that he's like, no, 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 like, we're not doing this. 
however complicated that is in past episodes. But she's like, whatever, man. I'm going to change my mind about you. And this little puppy dog goes straight to the bar. (laughs) And he seems totally fine with it, too. Oh, he is. He's more than happy to be the one out of control. I mean, because we're always talking. We've talked about before, like, he is this person, you know, the hero, the guy who everything falls on his shoulders when he's at home. And he's not necessarily that, though he's still, like, man man when he's with his 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 women on the side but here he's not the one in charge and he seems to dig it yeah i think he kind of likes it she um, orders his drink for him yeah i know and then she she like <laughs> she lets him order for her like because him ordering for her is like a power move but she like tests him beforehand to make sure that he's like allowed to mm-hmm um, what do I want? What do I want? Which, in fairness, is his job, telling people what they want. If I went to dinner with someone and I was like, what do I want? And they knew. I don't know. Because I'm kind of predictable that way. This is not important. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, but it is kind of, it is like sexy, though, when to be seen by someone that you think is worthwhile. And you're like, I'm worthy of their attention. And they're they're able to notice things. And they know who I am. Yeah, I mean, if it was true. the wrong person, you're like, that's freaking creepy and weird. What are you doing? But before I do that, all I want is the egg sandwich from Birds of Prey. That's oh all my I've God. for the last month. Um, that's all I ever have wanted is a good egg sandwich when you're hungover. I've never been more, <laughs> more beautifully seen and just stripped <laughs> naked on the screen than when she's watching that egg sandwich get made. <laughs> yeah, I still need to watch that. Oh, it's good. Oh, when Don, when Bobby does call Don and he's like, no, I'm working. She's like, oh, well, you helped me get the TV show. We'll call it business. And she's like, and he's like, no, 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 no. And I thought to myself, oh, that's interesting because I feel like that's definitely a tactic that would have worked on him once upon a time. Mm -hmm. But did he learn something about mixing business and pleasure during the whole Rachel Mankin thing? And literally the next note that I took was him in that restaurant <laughs> and Rachel Mankin walking up. I was like, okay, Madman, it's a good show. <laughs> I screamed. <laughs> I forgot about that moment and I was just like, oh! Made a very ugly guttural sort of noise. And also, Don- Rachel looked great. And she married um, her voice. I'd forgotten how much I love her voice. Bobby has a good voice too, but in a very different kind of way. This like I've got to be a tough kind of gal kind of way, and she's just so feminine and but like not shy and retiring. It's actually a little mm, almost Jackie O ish. Yeah, first sure. and she's she's so good. She's looking at them. She says, "How fun working together." Oh, she knows. <laughs> And Bobby knows. Bobby she knows. knows too. Yeah, yeah. Don's yeah. losing his shit. And those two women are just like, whatever. It's so good. We all and, know what's going on, and it's fine. And Rachel's poor husband. <laughs> poor dumb Mr. Cat. We gotta go. We're gonna miss the show. Like, oh yeah, we're going to Broadway. Oh oh great. Oh who are you? Okay cool. I'm like oh oh Mr. Cates. Like, I'm so sorry. I like that he's not Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. But, I mean, she probably appreciates that poor, dumb, happy, simple way of being. Well, she I'm can't sure he's have anybody smart. that's going to, like, analyze her soul 
because that's oh, what God. got her into trouble with Don, allegedly. They knew each other so well. Nope, just someone who <laughs> who let her just do her thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what happens? They get out of town. Oh, wait, no. Before they go out of town. Uh huh. There is a moment at this dinner when Bobby is like getting out her little cigarette case and putting her Corella DeVille cigarette together <laughs> in the baddest possible way. She looks great, by the way. And Don, so. just without even blinking, missing a beat, any any type of indication from her, he, like, reaches out with a lighter and, like, lights her cigarette for her. And I'm like, that, you're so attentive. Like, how can you anticipate the needs of this woman who you've spent three and a half days with and you're like, oh, I'm going to light her cigarette and be, like, so there for her. And it's such a small gesture and it's so stupid, but, like, Lighting a cigarette for someone is a thing. But then, like, this is skipping ahead. But then later, you can't even think to call your fucking wife when you're not showing up at home. And then we find out that you've had conversations about not doing this exact behavior. <laughs> Sir. Explain yourself. He likes the beginning yeah, she... of things. He, yeah. oh. <laughs> oh. Right? Like, it's, 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 it's rehearsed and it's practiced and, like, he is being attentive in that moment because it's it's fun and it's new and it's exciting. But then it's it's the the, the middle and the things and like the like when kind of like the real work is after the fun and the excitement of the starting of something. He's not good mm. at that because he keeps like running forward or moving forward. Yet there's still the clouds in the past. Like what like. Even like when Rachel comes comes and then then leaves because they need to go to the show. Bobby's even like comments about the cloud that she feels that's now hanging over Don, and like that's Don kind of in a nutshell, right? Like he keeps trying to start things and keep moving forward, but not actually, right? Because there's all these like ghosts or, or, or skeletons haunting, and whereas in that moment when it's new and it's exciting and it's you know a new relationship or a new client or it's a pitch, it's like he's present in that moment. Because it's exciting and he's engaged, but when it comes to something beyond the start of something, he's no he's no good. It's no good. No thank you. Yeah. You're hundred yeah. percent right. Well, because at some point everything becomes real and you have to deal with with the complexity that is some people. Did I talk about Ruby Sparks with you guys? With uh, Zoe Kazin and Paul Dano? I don't think so, no. Uh, where Paul Dano's character creates I feel I've talked about this recently too uh, creates uh, writes a character that actually comes to life her name's Ruby Sparks she's perfect she's a Mary Sue are you sure I haven't talked about this before she's a Mary Sue and he's so happy this is the perfect woman she's totally in love with him but because she's actually like also a person (laughs) she keeps starting to have like individual thoughts and interests that are separate from him and he keeps panicking over the fact that this human being isn't fitting exactly into the box that he created her to be and he keeps like messing with her and writing her slightly different so that she's still this perfect ideal person um object for him basically and it kind of like it it implodes to say the least uh it doesn't go well because don just keeps trying to figure out this like object that will fill that gaping hole inside him but because he keeps looking at other people you know they're going to they're gonna have so much more to them and it's like you're saying it's the start you know when everything is just sort of perfect but then 
uh, real life. And all the shit that he's running away from is going to catch up to him. And all the shit that they're running away from is going to catch up with him, too. Yeah. Yeah. You guys ever see that movie, Yours, Mine, and Ours? Um, <laughs> with Lucille Ball? <clears throat> oh, no. I don't think so. Not the remake with, I think, Steve Martin? Or was that Because uh, I Dustin? think I've seen that. The cute boy from Sleepover is in it. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't. I don't think I've seen the, the remake. But uh, uh, Henry Fonda plays the dad and and he's basically trying to give a little life lesson to his stepdaughter being like um life isn't uh, a love it's the dishes and the orthodontist and the shoe repairman and ground round instead of roast beef uh it's it's just all this stuff it's it's the the shitty boring stuff that you know you don't really want to deal with and don doesn't like dealing with that stuff no he doesn't but uh, instead, it's let's run away and go do it on a beach somewhere in the middle of the night. Ugh. All right. Whatever. Question. Uh-huh. When this episode aired, was it shocking that they were in a car accident? Hmm? I feel like I've seen, like, every single time people are driving in a car... And they're having a conversation. I'm like, well, shit, they're definitely getting in a car accident. And like, it hasn't been happening as much lately as I've expected it. And then when it happened in this one, I'm like, there it is. This is probably <laughs> what started this trend of everybody having conversations and getting into car accidents on TV. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I just want to know if that was like shocking. Like, oh, my God, car accident on, t-. you know, I just don't know. Yeah, I was kind of waiting for it. But my anxiety paid off. <laughs> I couldn't help but think of an American uh in American Gods where the character the main character's wife died in a car accident with her with his best friend but then they find out later that she was giving him a blowjob I at mean, the time and that's why they got an accident. Literally basically died what happened. Blowing Dane Cook. It is not a good way to go. Yeah. That was <laughs> that's what I was thinking about. I was like, wait, is she going to, and then they're going to, is this what's going to happen? <laughs> Which came first? I'm pretty sure the book came first. Yes, it would have. Yeah, but despite the fact that, that neither of them were wearing seatbelts, they are mostly fine. I thought she was going to be dead, for sure. <laughs> it would have been horrible. Yeah, it that would have been, been hard for him to cover up. But every once in a while, I'm like, Mad Men doesn't kill people. Oh, just mm, kidding. I mean, R.I.P. Adam Whitman. Um, R.I.P. Dick Whitman. And no, a couple of Don Draper, I mean. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. So did anybody else, did it send out to you? So they get in the car crash, then it cuts mm-hmm. to obviously they've been, you know, picked up and Don, they realize that Don is, and, and Bobby, who they assume is, is a Mrs. Draper, um, mm. are drunk and Don is well over the legal limit of, isn't it like 0.1 something? Point <laughs> 0.15. Yeah. That now you like, owe me $150. <laughs> Which is a lot, even in that time. Yeah, let me, I looked it up, but I forgot to write it down. Let me just look it up here. Yeah, and like, kudos to that officer, because I don't think DUIs were that big of a deal back then, who's just like, there are kids on that road. People could have died. I was really here for that cop just doing his job to the best of his ability. It's about $1,300. And he's like, no, you can't drive home. He's like, I even believe that you will send me more money than I'm asking for. But your responsibility is right now. You pay. You deal with the shame of someone having to bring your money. Deal with it. 
And the person he calls is Peggy. Oh my god, I know. And they Hold all those thoughts. <laughs> so Peggy comes in to save the day. And Don rolls into work. Beat up his shit. To a very worried Betty. And she's like, I'm sorry, what the fork? And what made me, this is potentially the thing that has made me the most mad out of anything that Don Draper has ever done. And it's that they have previously had a conversation about how she doesn't want him to disappear out into the wilderness and to not be returning when she doesn't know he's not going to be returning. And at some point in time, he said, yeah, for sure, I will not be doing that anymore. And then this motherfucker does it. And then he has the audacity to be like, I didn't know you were waiting up. (sighs) You are... (laughs) You are her husband. Of course she is. She cares. You have talked about this. Like, I can feel myself turning into Betty so that I can go on a rant. Like, (laughs) I'm so mad. And I think one of the most frustrating things where it's like, if there was, like, a scene where you see, like, Dawn consciously deciding not to call Betty or to be like, oh no, she'll like, you know, find out or like whatever. Like if there was some kind of proactive decision not to tell her, that would be frustrating and that would be upsetting. It's almost more frustrating and upsetting to me is that he didn't even think or didn't even realize to exclude, like it's just so innate and it's so like laissez-faire, hands off, doesn't care Mm -hmm. about there, isn't, you know, makes a commit makes several commitments and in, in several different forms and vows and oaths and then it just it it's it's nothing to even like for him to come over right in contrast to and again to pick on Harry a bit who's made some bad choices he makes the bad choices and then there's the guilt right away which again doesn't condone the bad choices but like Don doesn't even seem guilty but we also know that he does punish himself in other ways. I don't know. It's complicated and it's frustrating. Period. The thing about yes, absolutely. And the thing about the fact that he just like didn't even think about it is like Don is not a stupid person. And mm-hmm. like I'm sorry, but e- if you're going to be in a long term relationship, even if you're faking it, you still have to put forth some minimum of effort. Like if even if you don't mean it, at one point in time he said, "Yeah, for sure, I'm not going to disappear again." And I know he said that probably so that she would just shut up in the moment. But the thing is, is like you said it, and you have to be smart enough to know that this is going to come back and bite you if you do not keep up with that. So I'm sorry, but if you are going to be faking a long term relationship like that, you're going to need to come up with some checklists, sir. Like. Even a fake relationship has to have some type of effort. And, like, Don can't even give Betty that. Just to keep, even to keep his own peace, he won't do it. Like. Mm -hmm. And he pulls out the H word. He tells her not to get hysterical. You know, the last thing he needs is for her to be hysterical about it. And it's like, she's hysterical, quote unquote hysterical, because you constantly do this to her. It's just again and again and again over and over and like the same did she mistake used to get hysterical or is she only hysterical now because you had a discussion you made a commitment and then you just fucking did your stupid don shit like ugh. and i mean we don't know how she was reacting to it beforehand but like when he calls her hysterical he's like I need to be able to make decisions when I am in car accidents with my mistress. But she's like, who fucking cares if I can help you? That's not the point. Like, this is not about you, sir. 
I'm your wife. I'm supposed to be <laughs> here for you. This is about me and my feelings. Mm. <laughs> Personally, her reaction is 100% reasonable. She is he- actually probably a lot calmer than I would be if I were constantly dealing with it. I'm telling you, if this happened to me, he would have shown up and the house would be on fire and we would be sleeping at Francine's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will wake her up in the middle of the night. I have absolutely no shame. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, by the way, you have this like chronic disease that you're dealing with that you're just telling about with telling me about now because it affected you in a way that you potentially could have died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so we've talked about this before, I think, with Don specifically, definitely with, like, how men use it. But, like, Don, like, withholds information (laughs) to then use as a trump card to, like, you know, proactively win the fight or, like, you know, show emotion or show weakness to try and, like, his get-out-of-jail-somewhat-free card, and he's doing it again. John Draper literally makes me sweat and not in a fun way. And this is the same thing that Pete was doing, the Trudy, too, being all like, you're being so mm-hmm. emotional, this thing that's important to you, blah, blah, blah. How dare you act this way and act upset about it? And we have Trudy apologizing to Pete for feeling upset about something important to her. And now you have Don trying to get the same thing out of Betty, basically, for calling him on his shit. I think it's a little clear that this episode was written by a woman. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. Because it's not a singular thing. Also, but quite a singular thing, that meatloaf, never seen anything in my life like it. (laughs) So much ketchup. The children scarfed it down as per the Mad Men wiki that I was reading earlier today. Children put fucking ketchup (laughs) on everything. Nothing about it seems even remotely appealing to me. And... Judging by the look on Don's face when he eats it without salt, I mean, that's still not a, interested. I, that's a big fat bummer, but... Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. Yes. So, it's obviously, you know, Don reveals that, you know, what has happened to the physical era this season. Sally asks why daddy can't have salt, and Betty says, because we love him. So, I have a couple questions. You can see them in the notes. But is that a way of Betty exercising control? Is it a way of showing of Betty being able to show Don that like she cares and you know wants to be a part of his life and his success and you know whatever is it her way of saying dude I'm right fucking here like I don't know what did what did we think about that comment and exchange what does that act signify for I, Betty I definitely think it's like some on some level exercising control being like you put all of this shit on and I'm sure that this is more subconscious than Betty being like well if I have to cook and clean and do everything then I'm gonna not give you any salt because this is my job and you're out here in my kitchen now um and I'm sure it's not that you know thoughtful um but it is some type of being like I can control this like one little thing but it's also like um you're awful and you made me mad and now you can't have good tasting food sucker yeah she does have this like kind of like self-satisfied smile when she's just like nope the salt is hidden tough shit but i mean it is like it is a little bit of a way it i think it's all a lot of these things actually i i don't think it's any one thing of her being like no this is my house you're my husband 
these are going to be my rules. But also, you know, as she said, we love him. We can't do without him. I can actually be of some help even when you don't want me to. Don looks super pissed, though. He does look pissed, but sucks to suck. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't be 40 years old with such high blood pressure, dude. We'll lay off the bourbon, why don't you? Jesus. The well, bourbon, and like, maybe I feel called out. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew. We love you. No more salt. No more salt. Maybe he wouldn't have had to go cold turkey on the salt if he wouldn't have had to use his high blood pressure as an excuse for being in a death-defying <laughs> car accident. There it is. This could have we could have had a blood pressure. We could have had a a reasonable salt rationing. <laughs> but he is the one that escalated this high blood pressure to a to a level in which we are now near death. So at this point, yeah, you don't get any salt. Yeah. Basically everything Don is dealing with, you just it's his own grave that he dug, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Don. But as always, as with most episodes, Don uh, is not necessarily always the absolute 100% worst person No, in the sometimes world. he's a good boy. <laughs> oh. No, Melissa, no. I <laughs> know. Well, and that's, it's on that note, I think that's a good transition into, I think, what was the bulk of the episode for me, or at least felt like the bulk of the episode, and maybe it's just because I was hooting and hollering through all of the scenes. Um, do y'all want to talk about Peggy? Oh, yeah. always. Always. Uh, yeah. So um, this is the first, I think this is the first time we got, have gotten like a pretty decent, significant insight into the Don-Peggy dynamic and mm-hmm. what their relationship means. We've gotten a lot of uh, peeks at it over time. But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Don needs to be bailed out. Does he call? Uh, does he call his wife? Nope. No. Hundred percent not. Into the door is wide-eyed Peggy, looking all cute and stuff, carrying a hundred and eleven dollars or whatever it was, hundred ten dollars, to help him bail himself out. And there she is, just making shit happen. I love the like camera pan of and you're like holy shit it's peggy so i think if melissa if i can put you on a spot i don't think i have it in the note so i apologize um we get some of the parts of the missing the 1961 that we've been been referring to its absence before of you know after we last saw peggy and you know where she was after she had 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 the baby what was your response to all of that kind of shining back, you know, turning the clock back a year to the year we missed of, of Don and Peggy specifically? What was your response to that? Um, <clears throat> I really love, and I have this in the notes for later, but... Oh, sorry. No, 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 you're good. It's just that it's like mostly like the way that the episode was put together. They use so much like camera reveals um and i'm thinking about like when you see bobby in the bar you don't know for sure yet if don's coming and then um they 
it they make it like a dramatic reveal when you find out that it's Peggy that came to pick up Dawn. Like they pan up from her feet. You don't realize it's her until you see like her little gloves and her purse, and that's how she always stands. And then um, in the hospital, it's the same way. Like you see Peggy, and she's like, "Is that you?" And that could be her mom. That could be someone we haven't met before. Like we don't really know what to expect. And then we find out it's Dawn, and you're like, "Oh my god!" So for one, this episode is so dramatic, and I love that. And for two, the second you see him, you're like, "They're best friends." Like that's why. Like that's why Peggy did all of this for Dawn. That's why she put up with Bobby. That's why you know everything and then you realize it's because Don did this like incredibly nice thing for her where he came to like support her and like check on her and be like listen lady like whatever is going on like get it together it's gonna be fine um but also Mm -hmm. I love the fact that we are getting these flashbacks and they're about Peggy because then I'm like oh the main characters in Mad Men are Peggy and Don Draper I'm glad that I know this (laughs) <laughs> like, this is very exciting to me. And also, like, Peggy and Donna's best friends, like, give me that platonic OTP. <laughs> yes. I love, honestly, it's what gets me, th- has gotten me through seven seasons, six and a half. Six and a half seasons of Mad Men are this relationship that they have that you saw in such small measure really early on. But, like, at some point they realize, hey, guess what? this is a thing we're gonna make it a thing and it felt so natural and i love that they're just they recognize this like brokenness in each other and they both like harbor each other's secret and they don't judge each other they just there's just an understanding now that like you're cool with me and at this point i look to the camera and i break the fourth wall and i say it's a platonic love story and it cuts (laughs) to the opening credits um (laughs) <laughs> yeah that was that that whole and i and i i'm sure this has been written about over the last you know 13 plus years however long it's been a lot but i just was really reflecting on on kind of that exchange and what we're talking about here and it i <laughs> i texted melissa after i was like a couple days after i watched the episode the other day and i was like so like what if mad men's a platonic love story and I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm. It's something I think that's worth tracking and and continuing to watch as we go forward. I just think that we're like really being rewarded with this from all of the times that we saw like the spark of some deeper connection between Don and Peggy. Like we talked about their mentorship. Uh, she cried in his office. Like there's been all these little moments that I feel like have been leading to this, and I feel like it's. Like, I wish John Draper would treat other people better, but, like, also spending this much time with these two people and now realizing that they're best friends forever is very, very rewarding. So does this slightly humanize and endear Don Draper to you Um, for all his shittiness? Honestly, what I think it does a little bit more than that is makes me really worried about Peggy's future life choices. (laughs) Because why? Why, why, why? Uh, because I'm pretty sure that she just forgot that she had a baby. <laughs> that's why she's not taking oh, no. care of it. <laughs> I totally did not expect those words to come out of your mouth. <laughs> like, uh, whenever they were talking about, like, you're going to forget this. Hopefully it'll disappear. Like, you'll be surprised at how much this never happened. I'm like, is Peggy out here 
behaving as if this baby didn't happen? Is this what I'm supposed to be taking from this? Well, that first night that we saw her um, having dinner with her sister and her mom, she was about to leave and her sister's like, don't you, don't you want to see the baby? And she's like, oh, right. Baby. Uh, Wow. Peggy forgot that she had a baby. Yeah. So that's an area of concern for me. And and what but I like think... don't go ahead. go ahead Sorry. no go ahead. I was just gonna say that that's like that was Don's loving advice to her, not in like. But he, did he a know she had a malicious baby? kind of way? I assume being in the maternity ward. Yeah. I thought she was in the psych that... ward at that point. Oh, I don't know. So he thought Maybe. she just had like a mental break and was like, "Get it together. It's fine. Just do whatever they want you to do, and like then forget about whatever happened." I definitely was not thinking that Don was saying, tell your baby to fuck off. <laughs> so I may have just projected all it. But like, I don't think any of it was, I think, I think genuinely Don was trying to give her advice that he believed in and thought was working out super well for him. Oh, that Don. You need to go just, see, uh, just moving on. Pete's fertility your past behind you. Yeah. no don's giving her the same advice he tried to give to adam Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so and adam was too pure i think that was interesting but no i i definitely i think don is peggy a replacement adam maybe Mm -hmm. that's an interesting thought um one of the things i liked about the flashback too is we see um Peggy's sister, whose name I can't remember right now. It's not Anita. Abigail. Anita. New start with an A. Thank you, Annie. Anita. Anita is pregnant in the flashbacks. So, and the, it also talks about, you know, the possibly giving up um, Peggy's child for for adoption and things like that. And again, we see Anita's pregnant. So, I'm. I think it's been purposefully ambiguous up to this point whether Peggy's youngest nephew is 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 hers biologically that her sister adopted or not i think based mm-hmm. on my reading of this episode i think it passively tries to clear up some of that ambiguity where i think it's fair to assume that peggy's child was you know adopted out and the baby that oh, we've seen okay. that we that we've seen um peggy holding is her 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 biological nephew as well um, but mm-hmm. I don't think that that takes away any of our readings from earlier in the season or our analysis. Well, that because makes me feel less concerned about Peggy's forgetting. If you give a baby for up sure. for adoption, you're allowed to forget about it at that point. I mean, maybe not completely. I think that yeah. you'll it'd probably be healthy to remember that and reflect on it a little bit, but not yeah. in the same way that I was thinking she was doing, which was straight up being like, my sister's raising my baby. What baby? Yeah, no, I think that, that... Unless she's starting to forget her nephew, too, because they were born at the same time. Now she's <laughs> well, just ignoring it. Cause, yeah, and well, it's the reminder, right? If you forget yeah, one like thing, she said, Don. forget them all. Sorry about your hundred bucks. Well, it's also like she said uh, to Don in the car when she was driving them home from the police station, and she's just like, let's forget this ever happened. Don't treat me badly just because yeah. I remind you of this mistake. Oof. Yeah. Cool. That was a good line, by the way. It is a good line. It was really good. Um, 
I was really struck like early on in the episode when she was like trying to take care of them in the car and being like, you know, you shouldn't let her, you should keep her awake. I'm your, this is the car rental that I'm going to take you to. She could stay at my place. I'll pick up her dry cleaning uh, in the morning. Just boom, 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 taking care of shit. And I just read um, what something Angelina Jolie wrote for Time Magazine um, on International Women's Day. Two of her daughters have been um, in the hospital for surgery. And she observed about how her girls were just like watching what the nurses were doing, learning what they were doing so she, they could take care of each other and how that's like not a common trait you see among boys, but you see it among girls where they're like, oh, it's so natural for girls to take care of each other and just get by. Um, and that's what I was thinking of when I was watching Peggy because she's just like, oh, this is just what you're supposed to do. Like she actually tells Bobby that. Mm-hmm. And literally Bobby says the same thing that's in this maybe Angelina saw this episode she actually says this is something that can be abused and taken for granted of because it's just what people expect girls to do and they grow up into women who um let me just quote it girls are often conditioned to think that they are good only when they serve others and selfish or wrong if they ever focus on their own needs and desires and she ends with my message to girls is fight on little ladies you care for each other your care for each other will be a large part of your way forward hold your nerve know your rights and never let anyone tell you that you are not precious and special and above all equal which is what bobby tells peggy to do mm-hmm. see yourself as an equal because she is so like deferential to Don and the others even though she's like sitting at the same table as all of them in those meetings I loved it so much guys and you have the one of like the best quotes from or one of my favorite quotes from the Bobby um Peggy scenes um he's done it's all this so is, good. He, and this is this is starts out with Peggy talking he's done a lot for me obviously talking about Don he made me a copywriter and Bobby just looks at her and goes, I bet you made yourself a copywriter. Oof. And I'm like, oh, it's good. Oh, Girl. my heart. Girl. It hurts. <laughs> it's good. For all that we can hold against Bobby, we can't ignore the fact that she is a boss. And she is never, you know, for a lot of ways where we're talking about how she's like Dawn, she's also still incredibly feminine. She's always in the dresses, but she's so in control of the room. She's in control of Dawn. I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, she says to Peggy, I was curious if you're aware of the value of your service. And like I said, Peggy just says, it's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? And um, Bobby also tells her, you have to start living the life of the person you want to be. You're never going to get that corner office until you start treating Dawn as an equal. And no one will tell you this, but you can't be a man. Don't even try. Be a woman. It's a powerful business when done correctly. Oh, it's so good. I love this scene so much. It is really good. And I think that Bobby, well, Bobby is 100% right about everything she's saying. Mm-hmm. But I do think that she suffers a little bit from not knowing the full context of Peggy and Don's relationship in the same way mm-hmm. that, like, when we watch that scene the first time through, we are suffering from that as well because we're like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know. All these things. We 100% agree. But then when you find out that really what Peggy is doing is, like, returning a, like, not a service, but, like, returning the uh, support and discretion that Dawn showed her back. And I kind of think that this is, like, 
more than instructive to Peggy, it's affirming. Like Peggy's like, yeah, this is exa- this is what I'm doing. Like mm-hmm. only a woman could think to pick up your dry cleaning, could put you in my house and not have it be weird and not have you feel uncomfortable about me creeping on you. Mm-hmm. And um and they do already both know the tri- trick with the color correcting makeup. Yeah. And like only someone I don't, I got lost, but you know what I mean? Like (laughs) she is, I think that she is, she gets more to feeling herself on equal footing with Don. We see at the end of the episode, but I think that when we're having this conversation, we and Bobby are suffering from not having the full context, but I do think that Peggy hears and is, and is like, hell yeah, I'm going to push forward with this exact thing that I've been doing because she has been being a woman using uh, the fact that she has a woman as a strength in supporting Don in this situation. And it's like, uh, Bobby, did you want to be dropped off at fucking Ken Cosgrove's house? Like, who did you want <laughs> to provide this service? I do think you're right that, like, Peggy was on that path. I'm just not sure she was all the way there quite yeah, yeah, yet. Because, yeah. like, we've talked about in the past, like, when um, – Peggy and Ken were doing that radio ad with the three different women. Oof, yeah. And I did not love it. Yeah, we weren't a huge fan of the way that Peggy was treating that one woman to the point where even Ken Cosgrove was, like, side-eyeing her, which is we- which you don't want to be morally inferior to Ken Cosgrove. <laughs> no. Uh, and we thought she was being, like, way too cold and not, you know, working with this woman the way that um, she could have been. And she may even have been setting her up for, like, to as like a wingman to, to to Cosgrove, which is also not great. But um, and then you know, at the end, this is also the first time that we hear her call him Don. So it's like she's 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 been heading in that direction, but this is the final push of just like fully owning it. And it even because like it even takes Don by surprise when he hears Don coming from Peggy's lips, like what. You know, watch her walk at the door and what just happened? Um, and I I kind of love that uh, that Bobby was that person for her. Yeah, I could have them be in a relationship without Don and I would probably like it a lot. Oh my God, what if they oh. like would just meet up once a week over drinks, be like, these fucking men. Oh my God. they Did they invent the Red Hat Society? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I like amazing. Totally agree. I think like my only like, and it would be because I know what show it is. So it'd be kind of like a a footnote of criticism that like a lot of the exchange between Peggy and Bobby didn't quite pass the low bar that is the Bechdel test. And if you're not familiar with the Bechdel if you're not familiar with the Bechdel test, it basically is two two characters in a work have to be be named and have a conversation that isn't about a male character, um, and kind of at its simplest. And and so much of like the what are in context of the episode, and I think watching it are very exciting. Are these kind of empowering kind of conversations and and lessons that. Um, Peggy's learning and internalizing it is through the lens of the two characters relationships with Don and they do talk about him a lot and Mm -hmm. that did stand out a bit I don't think that that necessarily 
under undercuts any of the the kind of messaging or or the character development but that would be something that i would be curious of if this episode was being written and and released today and and cognizant of you know it, it was written by a woman she's the sole credited author of the screenplay but she is also not the showrunner and it's it's Mad Men and everything else so i wonder what other versions of that scene could have looked like at the time or would look like now so mm -hmm. the Bechdel test I think is a really useful tool I think in this kind of situation it's like you said it doesn't undermine the the scene at all it's a, like I said I friggin love this scene mm -hmm. and I think it makes sense because of the context of how they know each other it's only through dawn this is basically like the very cursory first time they've they've met and it's in a very unusual circumstance and it has everything to do with Don. Um, I would think it has more, it's more of a, a better argument of why we need more scenes between women like this just yeah. so that some of them aren't about Don Draper, although the mm -hmm. entire show is freaking all about Don Draper. <laughs> Even the scenes about Pete <laughs> are about Don Draper, frankly. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's such a good moment i think in general and i loved i their just exchange was so good you know the way bobby kept asking questions and like to a point where she almost seemed insecure and you could have guessed that peggy was being judgmental if you didn't know her backstory uh at some point peggy even tells her that she's not her competition oh it's just man that's scene. so good it's i think that's scene. my favorite line of the episode it's a great scene. She just is like, I love she's it. so straight about it. And she's not being, she's not bullshitting. I'm not your competition. Like, I'm not interested in Dawn. Like, and it's not defensive. She, it's good. It's just good. That's, I want to see more of that. So later on, we see uh, it like kind of an empowered Peggy as she talks to Dawn. You know, she tries to make an excuse for not having the work done. And Dawn like throws it back in her face, even though her ex being all like, well, you can get your work done because of your bullshit, but, like, I fell down some stairs and broke my arm and still did my work, which was cruel. But, you know, she turns around and she's just like, look, you owe me some money. Yeah. Don, that's not as funny as you thought it was going to be. No. No, no. Um, but the fact that she's actually speaking out, he seems to recognize that there's something here in her. And he's like, well, you know, I guess when you try to forget something, you have to forget everything because he forgot all about the money as he was trying to forget. Yeah. And I really like that also because of the way that she says, like, $100 is a lot of money to me. Like, she understands that. I I just feel like she's not, like, holding this against him. Like, I think that she kind of understands that this is, like, as, like, fucked up as it is. Like, this is, like, commonplace for Don Draper. Mm -hmm. And he would have sent that guy $500 and he would have never thought about it again, you know? Um, so I just like that she's also saying, like, we are not the same. Like, I know that you think we're the same because you showed up in my hospital bed and now you think that I'm just going to bail you out of jail all the time. But you need to remember that we are living in different worlds here right now, sir. And mm -hmm. I'm going to need my money back. I acknowledge your privilege that you have that I don't. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it also harkens back to later later or after i forget the order now when he tells peggy it will shock you how much it never happened mm -hmm. so he's trying to forget that one part so he forgets the little details like i owe you a shit ton of money i forgot to tell my wife i wouldn't disappear and i and i think what that 
sorry, just with that, that last exchange too, where that has that kind of fist pumping moment where she like asks for the money back and, and calls him Don, not Mr. Draper. Um, yeah. Don is like, again, trying to take power back. I think in that, in that dynamic or, or exercise the power and the privilege that, that he is, is used to having the authority of his position when, when he like says, Hey, I, I got hurt and I still did my work. And like, you know, tries to kind of like say, put her down and she's like, no, 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 I am not taking this. I don't have to, by the way, pay me. See you later. Don Mike drop leaves. Like it's not just that she does it. It's even that she, he is a, He's ex- trying to exercise his dominance, and then it's even like you know she like not only stands up to that, exercises her own authority, and then gets what 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 gets what she's owed in the money and stuff. So it's like definitely a like hooting and hollering, fist pumping moment for sure. It's like it's just it feels like something the start of something for Peggy and for the both of them in general, and I like it. I like it. It was a good episode, guys. It really was. It was the best one we've seen. For sure. Something about episode fives. Because five, the the Adam episode was episode five in, in mm-hmm. season one when he was introduced. Do we want to move to Bits and Bobs? Bits, uh, and, bits and Bobs. Bits and Bobs. All right. Again, my, my two bits and bobs come from the Madman Wiki, which I was on earlier. So thank you, Madman Wiki. Um, while writing Bobby's character, Robin Vife, the writer of the episode, um, did a lot of reading on French feminism, which says that women are not just smart and capable as men, but they are smarter than them and should use their physical assets against them. So, which <laughs> I feel is, 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 very, is very Bobby. Yes, very mm-hmm. much so. And then during the uh, the table read through of this episode, everyone cheered when Peggy called Don by his first name instead of Mister Draper. So we are all the cast of Mad Men in that moment as we watch this episode. <laughs> I such love that a so big much. moment. Like nowadays, it's not. I don't think it's like that big of a deal. But that back then, the sixties were only the secretaries referred to were referred to by their first names or the the male colleagues with each other calling each not even not even all the time sometimes they're just calling each other by their last names it's such a good satisfying moment don's shook too yeah it's so good it's like all these women just kind of like pushing him over today and you're like yeah frankly he deserves it yeah he's super Uh, nice The only, like, moment that really stuck out to me, because I was just all hard eyes over Bobby and Peggy, was when uh, Pete came home that night for dinner, and he says, Duck called Bert Peterson a mongoloid. What a leader of men. Ugh. And it was like when I was talking about Peggy being morally inferior in that moment to to Cosgrove, when even Pete is judging you for being un-PC. I mean, it's a bad, bad look. Speaking of Ken, I guess Bits and Bobs can be the Ken Cosgrove check-in corner also. <laughs> um, I laughed a lot whenever he goes up to Jane again, and she's like, I'm sorry, what's your name? And he was like, Ken. What's your title? Cosgrove. Accounts. Like, Ken, I'm sorry that people have other things to do with their energy than pay attention to your dumbass. I'm sorry. Hello. Your face is cute, but you're not important. Yeah, he's just like, I just want you to know I'm going to be in that important meeting with a celebrity tomorrow. And right in front of Jane that next day, Jimmy's just like, Blonde, you could stay out here. Bye. 
Like, oh, oh sweet, so sweet funny. justice. Oh, we didn't also talk about Freddy and his fucking zipper Mozart or whatever the fuck. Like, what <laughs> is happening? Right? I forgot that this show likes to occasionally interject the most weird shit ever. I'm sure that my face looked exactly like Ken Cosgrove's because everybody is just like, what? The fuck? <laughs> No, honestly, there's a moment. They don't even say anything. They're just like, oh my God. Like, uh, no, there's definitely a moment coming up. I don't even remember what season it's in. And I honestly can't wait for your reaction. <laughs> and I guess, too, just but while we're in, in bits and while, while we're in bits and bobs, um, Don gets a new secretary. We it before. Jane, um, I think she's definitely going to be someone to watch as we go forward in, in the season. We've seen her and Joan kind of have disagreements about how much skin Jane is showing at the office. So that'll be interesting to kind of see how how Joan navigates, because so far Jane kind of presents to me as the anti-Peggy, which in some ways is kind of what Don asked for, because he wanted someone who was, quote, going to be content or happy with with just the job of covering his desk. So yeah. that will be something to watch in the future. She's yeah. almost like the bizarro Joan. I loved when Joan was like, um, she says Talking like, her decolletage. Uh, your decolletage is distracting, but she says, be reasonable. Um, there's still plenty to see. And you know that. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice the three buttons on my shirt were undone. Yeah. Right. Um, um, okay. <laughs> and yeah, I do you just spend all day to... leaning forward. Unless you guys need help finding a dead client file. <laughs> God. Um, and Christina again... Hendricks is a phenomenal in this episode. Yeah, well, in this show, but like I've yeah. I loved a lot of her line readings in this episode specifically. Yeah, they're finally using her her a little more to to better use. She has, like, a little smirk that she does. Oh, it's good. Like, when she says that nothing's wrong with her fiancé, she does it. And she says, and you know that. <laughs> so good. No, and I just really like the title of this episode. I, I'm surprised we, I didn't put it in the, the notes. We haven't talked about it earlier. I don't even but think again, I know it's, what it's called. Well, it's about Peggy. It's called The New Girl. Right? Oh, so you have Jane, the new You girl. have Jane being the, the new girl at the office. But really, oh, yeah. it's about... It's about the change in Peggy because it's a new Peggy now. Ah. She's the new girl, ah. right? She is a new girl. It shows good. It's a good show, guys. Hot take. <laughs> um. Okay. Did we do it? I, I think, think we, we did, did it. So, Annie, where can people find more of you on the internet? Oh, well, if you want to see me not update my Twitter or not update my Instagram, you can find me at Pop Artery on both, P-O-P-A-R-T-E-R-Y. Or you could listen to my Jane Austen Book Club podcast, The Daily Nightly. We just uh, were in the middle of Pride and Prejudice, and we spent 50 minutes talking about how great Emma the movie is. So hang out for then. Did Johnny Flynn's pants come up? Uh, And down. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Melissa, what about you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Mellow Yellow, which is M E double L double O Yellow. Um, I did a bunch of fun stuff this past week. I was on the most recent episode of Pop Culture Leftovers, and I was also on the most recent episode of the Scenic Cast talking about the new Pixar movie Onward. And you can always find me on Wild Pretty Things, um, where the next episode I believe we're going to be doing is the movie called Swallow. So. You can Google that and then you can come learn about it in probably two to three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, where can we find you on the internets? You can find me on Twitter at, at Mattyhue, M A T T Y H U G H. And you can also find me. I recently guested on the Shame Files podcast. It should be out already by the time that this episode drops. On the Shame Files, we we they cover movies that they feel like they they should have seen, and we covered the 1987 British black comedy with Nail and I. Spoiler alert: I liked it. So come come find me there, and then listen to the show because it's good can also follow all of us together at at still great pod please tweet at us um you can also follow us on instagram and then yeah please uh rate and review of the show on the the podcasting system of your choice all right well bye until next time all right later days See, I was the exact opposite. I was like, what is that? I don't want it on anything. I refuse to have it. I'm going to eat my french fries empty. Clean.